day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. And uh, we are here to uh, hang out and have some intelligent black conversations today. Uh, as you all know, we live under the B1 philosophy. B1 means that we are black first. Uh, black first means that we put our community at the top of our priority list. Uh, black first means that we solve our own problems. Black first means that our goal is to be intelligent and to put our kids ahead of the pack. And so if you agree with that philosophy, the B1 philosophy, uh, the, knowing that we must be one to be successful, put a hashtag B in the number one in the chat, hashtag B1 in the chat. And hello, Sergio and Amanda and Gregory and uh, El- Liver, Jose, good to see you. And uh, I know the rest of you are going to come into the chat. So as you come in here, uh, DDS is in here, the moderator and L Fries, I see you. Okay, you're pouring in good. Uh, let's get started on the conversation. So the uh, guest that I wanted to bring in and talk to today, uh, and this is uh, actually one of my last guests for a while. I'm not going to do a lot of these interviews for a minute because I want to focus on some other things I'm working on, uh, is by a brother by the name of Shannon Stewart. Shannon Stewart is the uh, founder and CEO of SS Ministries. He's also a financial expert. He's a brother that knows a lot about uh, economics. Uh, he's a solid, solid black man. He lives right, right up in Compton, and he knows all about uh, our people and what we are doing as a community and uh, how to be successful. And I want to welcome my brother to the show. How you doing today, Shen? Hey, Dr. Boyce. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time. Yeah, good to see you too, brother. Good to see you too. Yeah, we haven't talked. Uh, we haven't seen each other in person since uh, I did an event in LA and you came out there yeah, and uh, did a great job. Yeah, I was, I was happy to have you, man. That, that was an honor for you to come out there. I know it was a long drive to get out to where we were. Where I didn't know we were so far away. From uh, you know, LA. For, for you, anything I tell people, a lot of the stuff that we do now, uh, particularly when social media reach and things like that, it started with a relationship with you many years ago through our mutual friend, Lene Javette. Yeah, that's right. You know, I forgot that you and Lene were friends. So what's going to have to happen is I've got to make sure that uh, that we have you and Lene come to the All Black National Convention, which, by the way, everybody, uh, the tickets will go on sale soon. So go ahead and get ready. The All Black National Convention is going to happen uh, the week, uh, the last week of October, the last week weekend of October, uh, and it's going to be in Orlando, Florida. And so, uh, if you'd like to join us at the All Black National Convention, uh, just make sure you get on our email list, and we will email out the information about how you can get family passes. We're going to have uh, just a really all black event and all black weekend uh, that's going to uh, involve not just uh, things like economics and stuff like that. Uh, Alicia wants to do speed dating. Uh, she feels that B1 people need to be able to date each other. Uh, give me a yes or no if you, if you guys like that idea. But So she wants, <clears throat> she's a relationship expert, so she wants to do speed dating. <clears throat> we're going to do a masquerade ball. Uh, we're also going to do uh, breakout sessions on starting a business, crypto, uh, everything, everything financial, relationships, uh, everything political. And the theme actually is reparations this year. That's our theme for this year. So, uh, so I'll let you guys know about that. Make sure you get on the email list so we can let you all know when the tickets go on sale, uh, go to allblackeconomics.com. You get a free e-copy of my book and you'll be on the email list. All right. So, um, Shannon, let's uh, start with your background. So you are a financial guy and yep. uh, and you know a lot about money. And I, I, and I think you and I came to each other's attention because we, we both have a strong interest in wealth. In addition to uh, the respect that you and I both have for Lene Javette, um, tell, tell us about your background in economics and uh, how you got to be uh, the, the great economic genius that you are today. I don't know. I don't know if I'm a, a genius. You know, when I listen to guys like you and others, I, I said I still got a lot to learn. Um, for the last 20 plus years, I've been involved in the consumer debt space. And so by trade, I'm a debt collector. And so 
years ago, I, I worked for a, a startup and we were in the midst of our series A and B finance runs and it was in the fintech space. And so when we started growing this, when we got to our series B run, um, we raised a bunch of money. And so I started looking at people that we couldn't give loans to. So I would literally just take our, our end of day rejects and just kind of go through them and see what the what the, what the the trend was. And so I said, all right, well, maybe I should develop some type of program and way to kind of help these these people that we couldn't give loans to because they're, they're common things in, in all of them. You know, either, you know, DTI is high, debt to income is high, credit scores are low, something. There, there's something there that's in the in the in the in the crux of, of the matter. And so, you know, I started just looking at that and then just started talking to people in my community. Hey, you know, what's going on here? What's going on there? I was involved with a large church at the time. So I started looking at people within the church, you know, because it, it was really, you know, me being kind of dissatisfied with the idea and the business of church. And, and you know, you know, let's get money from people. Let's figure out how to get them to give more. I started looking, asking questions. Well, what are we doing with the people that can't give? The inherent nature of people is to be benevolent. If they can't give, why not? What are we doing? And so then I started just peeling back the onion and, and just paying attention to everything. Now, when you look at it from the debt side of things, on the debt side of things, you see everything. You know, when the market crashed in 08, 09, I worked on the um, loan liquidation side of things. And so I was able to see that working through Fannie and uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and uh, some of the large loan servicers and looking at the, the properties that they were getting rid of and then just looking at the loan files. What failed? You know, what what could people have done differently? And, um, you know, kind of just started from there. And then years later, I met you um, and kind of saw some of the stuff that you were doing and in regards to talking to just basic um, common knowledge that, you know, me and you have because we've experienced it, but many others have not. Mm. Well, you know what? Uh, let me ask you this, man. Um, I did not know that you were in the debt collection business. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. Uh, I think that that would be valuable information in terms of uh, those of us watching, you know, to understand things that um, that bill collectors maybe don't want you to know or what you should know. Because I don't know how many of y'all in the chat, how many of y'all in the chat have ever had to have an uncomfortable conversation with a bill collector? Raise your hand in the chat. Let's do a Black Wealth Confession right now. Uh, and by the way, blackwealthconfessions.com is where you can leave your confessions. You know, I know you're a pastor, Shannon, and, and, uh, and sometimes <laughs> I let folks come to the altar and anonymously issue their black wealth confessions to tell me, uh, you know, what their problem is. And we just kind of talk about it in an honest way so we can all get better. How many yep. of you at any point have ever had an awkward conversation with a, with a bill collector? Go ahead and fess up. Don't, don't lie. Don't be lying. And I, I'm going to raise both hands because I know that I have, um, you know, I, 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 the bankruptcy, all that stuff I've done, I've gone through all of that when I was younger and, uh, and it's not fun. So maybe Shannon can help us with that. So, uh, so, so forgiveness, you, you are all, all my sons and daughters that are watching, you are all forgiven. I'm giving you all a financial blessing and saying you are forgiven. And I'd like to ask my brother, Shannon, tell us about that experience. Um, you know, working with the bill collectors on the other side, what are some things well, we don't know? So, about? Well, let me, let me tell you some things. Here, here's the basic thing is that all the stuff that you've heard, about, you know, run away, don't answer, you know, that's not true. Like, you know, I'm always telling people meet this stuff head on, um, you know, through, through a two year period of time, I went through some of the, the, the toughest times in my life. And, uh, you know, I too felt ran into some financial, you know, tough times. I mean, I was just, just to be straight up with it. And it was me going head on meeting that, um, I belonged to a, a credit group and, uh, the lady, one of the ladies had a question last week about, you know, 
I'm, I'm getting rid of my car and they told me I can just give the car back and that it won't hurt my credit. And I was like, yeah, no, that's not the case. Please don't do that because that will most assuredly hurt your credit. And depending on where you live, you will be sued. And so, you know, I, I, I would say the first thing that I talk about, even when I talk about like some of my financial literacy and some of my financial wellness um, components, I talk about getting an understanding of where you are first. You know, I can't tell you, 90% of the people that I meet with have no idea where they're at. And then when we really sit down and I say, all right, bring your paycheck subs, bring your 401k statements, and we start going through that, they're really like, oh, I didn't know I made that much. Hmm. And so it's it's getting a handle on where you are. Like, and it's, that's an uncomfortable conversation because sometimes you have more months than money left. But I can tell you this, that the conversations that I have with people that make $100,000 a month, it's the same conversations that I have with guys that make three grand a month. Mm, and so really? when you start, when you think about it from that vantage point, Doc, is that, you know, the guy that makes a hundred grand a month, his buddies have a boat, they do private air travel. And so I have to have those conversations, you have those conversations, hey, fractional aircraft ownership's not for you. Um, you know, maybe you should go first class on your flights instead of, you know, you know, trying to charter a plane and, and stay here. You know, maybe you shouldn't buy a boat. Guess what? Buying a boat's probably not for you. So it's, it's those kind of things. The guy that makes three grand a month, it's, hey, don't buy the new Jordans when they come out. Mm. Um, you know, so it's understanding where you're at, but it's also understanding your vices. Um, you know, I think you and I were talking, you, you mentioned this on a, on Instagram live a couple of weeks ago. Like I buy, like I have, I, I have poor financial habits because I buy a lot of stuff. Like I buy guns. I buy, I'm like a, I'm like a 13 year old that has money. Like I buy guns, I buy boots, I buy, you know, just crazy stuff. And then my wife is always like, yeah, you can't buy that. No, wait, wait, you can't do that. Don't buy that. Don't do that. <laughs> you need somebody to be that balance for you. Mm. Well, you know what? Uh, that That's a good a good point. And actually, I want to ask you about the balance piece. Um, but before I do that, though, I want to ask you in, in terms of the bill collectors. So if, if I am a person in here who's struggling with debt and mm-hmm. I got the bill collectors blowing my phone up, what do you think is a good first step for me to just kind of deal with all that? It seems like you were talking about financial awareness, uh, you know, being aware. And I, I noticed that, that there are not a lot of us that are financially woke, meaning just aware of just where your financial situation is. Like, what is your net worth? What are you, what's your income compared to your expenses? Uh, I've seen situations where people, even when I was younger, I did this because I wasn't paying attention. You know, where you're living underwater and you don't even know it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, so so what else would I might might I consider as kind of my first step toward redemption when it comes to dealing with crazy debt or bill collectors and all that stuff? So so let's talk about the redemption piece, uh, Doc, because, you know, I, I tell people all the time, if you're if you're already you, if you already got a poor credit score, you already have faced situations where where your overall, um, you know, debt to income's off, your payments are off, you're behind on things. I would start calling the the creditors. You know, I'll give you an example. I had a buddy, um, he's an MD, kind of student loan debt, and he had some issues not too long ago with, with credit card debt. And so I sent him down one day. I said, look, here's what you're going to do. You're going to call this credit card company and say to them this, I can no longer pay you what you're asking me to pay you. So what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to give me a reduction in interest for 18 months. Hmm. Wow. Either you, either you do that or I won't pay you. Like, what are you going to do? Hmm. You, and so it's it's being bold enough to start with that, because I can tell you this, if you're in a situation where you have, you know, you think for every dollar you spend, 
on a credit card, your monthly payment is 2% of that, right? So if you're at $10,000, you're at $200 a month monthly payments, right? If you have an American Express card, I think they just round up. It's like two and a half percent with them. And so now American Express won't do this because they're they're they have a charge card set up and they're they're just they're they're not willing to play. Like you'll you'll almost go bankrupt trying to work stuff out with them. Every other creditor, you have this flexibility to reach out to them. Particularly, I'm talking on the unsecured credit card side. Reach out to them. Find out what they can do to help you get those monthly payments in line. Um, you know, the average credit card is at 22.5% interest rate. If you go down to zero, or even if you go down to 5%, that drastically reduces what you pay monthly. Mm, and then that kind of, that will help you get a better handle on it. Um, you know, I don't subscribe to the Dave Ramsey school of thought of that all debt is bad. Uh, you know, that you're a dummy if you have debt. You know, Dave Ramsey lives in Tennessee. You know, it's, a, it's if, if you look at, you know, the earning p- potential, it's the third poorest state in the Republic. So, you know, of course, you, you yeah, it, that makes sense to them because you can go buy a house cash in Tennessee. You can, it's, you know, it's a lot easier to buy cars and things of that nature. You live in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, like I do. Things are a little bit different. So, you know, rule, rule number one, understand where you're at. Rule number two, make a plan to get this stuff taken care of. Now, if you have charged off debt where, where, where it's, you know, you've, they charged it off, you received a 1099 for it you know, go through and look at settling some of that stuff. Mm, okay. Um, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. Now, I believe that uh, if you have the skill, you know, you can do a lot of credit repair stuff yourself. Um, if you don't have the skill, that's a, that's a, I, I say it's a dirty business. Um, if you don't have the skill, um, you know, DM me, I'll put you in touch with some people that I trust um, that you won't be paying months and months to deal with. Because I think there's a lot of the credit repair companies out there that'll say, hey, doc, you know, pay me $90 a month and we'll get this taken care of for you. But there is no endpoint. You pay them in perpetuity. Um, I did some consulting for a credit repair company once and I looked at some of the largest in the nation. And that's that's what they bank on. They bank on you paying them forever, whatever that monthly fee is to help you resolve things and take get things taken care of on your credit. Wow. Wow. OK, so um... and don't get settle i mean i think that's the biggest thing you know i think some of this could be overwhelming to to some where they the first thing they say is all right i'll just go file bankruptcy well you don't have to you know there's options for you out there Mm. okay well everybody i'm speaking to shannon stewart founder of ss ministries and uh we are talking about uh money mistakes you don't want to avoid uh how to deal with bill collectors and a whole lot of other interesting issues uh if you could do me a favor hit the thumbs up button hit the thumbs up share subscribe button also if you have an if you have a business or something uh you guys can put your business in the chat uh the name of your business the url so that maybe others in the b1 community can support your business uh i want to see you do well i want to see you make money i want to see you succeed and uh also um just a reminder don't forget that tomorrow uh, we're, we're doing a free uh, symposium in the Black Business School with uh, a brother named Chris Davis, who is uh, arguably the world's leading expert in business automation, scaling up your business. Basically, uh, he's helped entrepreneurs go from five or 10 grand a month in income to 100 grand, 200 grand a month. Uh, and he's good with automation and technology. He's coming in to speak. Black Business School students can all join for free. Uh, all you have to do is have a free membership in the Black Business School. Uh, I want to make sure you all understand that we are the best and blackish university on the planet. And we also uh, have the lowest cost. Uh, most of our students pay uh, close to nothing to attend the Black Business School. And uh, we do it better than the HBCU. So if you'd like to join, uh, just get on the list. Get in the school for a free membership so that I can send you the email 
with the information to join tomorrow. Uh, if you get it in there by tonight, um, I will send you the information tonight. Uh, go to blackkeystogreatness.com. Blackkeystogreatness.com gives you access to uh, free access to my life class, access to our book club on Wednesday, also access to the symposium tomorrow. You don't want to miss this because these are the people that can give you the secrets to making money in a way that's better than you've done before. Chris is legit. The billion dollar companies are trying to get him to come and become their, their VP. Uh, that's how good he is. So uh, anyway, with that being said, uh, Shannon, let, let's let's dig deeper then. So you were talking about something really interesting a second ago. You were talking about um, your wife and how, you know, how as a, as a married man, uh, your spending gets balanced and disciplined by uh by your spouse mm-hmm. um can you kind of speak to that and also i'm gonna as you speak i'm gonna put your somebody's asking for your contact information so i'm gonna put your your email your um url in here so people can find you it's it's uh, i'm gonna type it in and i want you to tell me if it's right in fact I'm, uh, because it's so important i want to add i want to check this with you real quick brother before you answer that question but you know what tell them tell them get in touch with me on instagram because i they, they uh, can follow me through there through facebook but for hhgh.org we'll send you to our facebook page and we respond to those within you know, a day, 24 hours. Okay. Is that, is, uh, is that, is that good? SS ministries? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's how you go. y'all can follow him on Instagram. So may everybody make sure you go follow Shannon on Instagram, send him your questions. Go ahead, brother, please. So, so, so when I, when I start talking about, you know, I, now I'm not a pastor of a church. I run a, a, a faith-based nonprofit where we're out in the streets. And, you know, part of, of what I do is, is I, I have been offered, you know, I do have the privilege to marry people and, you know, part of that responsibility is, is that, you know, you're, you, you want to give people uh, insight from what you've garnered over 16 years of marriage. Like you want to share that with them. Now, you know, when I when I, I say that tongue in cheek, I'm not out spending all willy nilly. However, I, I think there, there is, you know, and, and you're, you're just recently married. I think when you get married, you're, you're bringing in through diff- two different financial schools of thought. Um, I, I grew up in a household. My dad's a retired from, you know, two fortune 10 companies. My, uh, my mother was a, uh, a homemaker. Um, you know, I saw my dad work. So my mindset is, is that no matter what it is, is I can always work to get it. Like, you, you know, I, I, I work, a you know, I do some work for a nine to five at a credit union. I run a for-profit insurance business. And so like, you know, my wife runs a Mary Kay business. She runs a notary business. So we're, we're always on the hustle. Um, but with with that, it's understanding well where you come from and then where where Dr. Alicia comes from, right? Now my wife, her mother's a, a school teacher, her father's retired military, so she didn't grow up with the whole same financial habits that I did. So her mindset was, well, we don't really need that. Like she grew up in that household, that type of household, because they didn't have money growing up. I grew up on the other side in a household where, was, well, if I wanted, I could probably get it. Like, you know, it'll take this, this and this. I have to plan this. I have to plan that. You know, I have to have this many, you know, deals in the books and, and, you know, so on and so forth. And so, you know, when you start looking at that, you can't have, then this is just my opinion. You can't have two people that are, that are spinsters, you know, out spending money. Like you got to have a balance. You got to have somebody that's willing to pull back the reins sometime. And sometimes it flips, right? Um, You know, I grew up where, you know, we got a lot of things. My wife's value is in experiences. So she's like, where, where my kid will be like, we need this, this, and this. My wife's like, well, no, we're not buying that, but we'll go on a vacation and this is how much it'll cost. And so, you know, we're always, it's always kind of that balancing point. Um, but it's also understanding where, again, it goes back to understanding and having very honest 
open conversations. You know, this is the reason why I talk about money. 45% of divorces that happen happen because of money. And if I could told you, you if I could tell you, if I told you, hey, Dr. Boyce, you could fix 45% of anything that's a failure, you would be like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good percent to fix. But most couples don't talk about money. Like hmm. I can I've talked to couples where they, you know, the husband has no idea what the wife spends or the husband has no idea why the wife spends. Hmm. You know, I, I had an when I years ago, I had a, a chance to sit down with this guy um, that he was the CEO of the largest behavioral health hospital on the West Coast. And so I talked to him about, you know, dopamine interaction and what happens when you spend what's your release of dopamine and how that and how that compared to drugs. And so he was like, well, when you spend something and you buy something that you really want, the idea is you get the same dopamine fix as you would if you took a hit of cocaine. And I was like, oh, and he was like, beings, we chase that dopamine fix. And I was like, oh, so it's not that people want to spend. It's that feeling of them chasing something. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. sometimes, we don't, you know, my mother passed away in 2017. And when she passed away, um, it, it was you know, we went to her, their garage and my dad had, had sold the house. Well, I sold the house. And my dad was like, you take care of this. I'm, I'm going to go buy another house. And so he moved. But then as he moved, I noticed my mom would like compulsively buy stuff. Hmm. And it would be like, like bread makers and crock pots. And she had like, it, we, we went into a drawer and she had 300 pairs of white shoestrings. Why, why she had like 300 pairs of white shoestrings? Like, <laughs> Like my dad was like, maybe they were on sale, but it was something that maybe she was chasing a feeling that she was looking for a feeling that she got when she spent because she, she was the spender. And my dad was more of like that. Ah, I'll hold tight. Um, so, you know, it's, it's those kind of things that, that I think we have to get a, a handle on first, particularly as we start talking about money to understand poor financial habits. Cause you know, it's those poor financial habits. They eventually catch up to you like money that you, you don't people that work a, a nine to five job, you don't make money forever. Like you it, you make a finite amount of money. You know, that's the reason why I run a business outside of that, because I can't be beholden to what those people do. Well, you know, I think that's a great point. And uh, and by the way, everybody, I'm talking to Shannon Stewart. Uh, Shannon Stewart is the CEO and founder of SS Ministries, Shannon Stewart Ministries. And uh, I'm going to put his um, Instagram information. I hope everybody will follow him. And uh, he'll be hands giving hope. Don't forget, that's that's where the action is. That's where the street action is. Okay. Okay. Well, there we go. There's a URL for his foundation as well. And so, um, so one of the things that, uh, that, that, you know, I was, I was, I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you're, so you're a pastor, but you have a deep interest in financial literacy. Um, how, do, how do those two overlap? Uh, what, what, what is it about being a pastor that, um, helps you in the area of financial literacy and intelligence and why is that necessary? I mean, I, I have my own ideas, right? Because we know churches are great places to learn when, when the churches are doing things right, which a lot of churches are thousands of churches are doing it right. Some are doing it wrong. We're talking about the ones that are doing it right. And, and I think, and I know a lot of people who got their first financial literacy education from the church. Where are some areas that you think um, uh, there's, there's a significant overlap. So, so I'm not a pastor. I don't pastor a church. Um, I'm a I'm a, a minister in sense. You know why you think I pastor a church? Because Andre Hatchett used to always say he, he used to always call me pastor, and so people think I pastor a church. So I, so you're not so, but you're a minister though, right? So you can yeah, yeah, yeah. you can marry yeah. people, all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not an ordained minister, but I don't pastor a church. I, I do I do think there's an overlap though. Um, okay. 
and let me, let me tell you where that, that overlap is because that's a that's a really good question. And when I speak for this, I'm gonna speak for this for for churches where people look like us, because I, I think we we've, we've seen a, a great hierarchy of churches where people look like us, and the pastors here, and everybody else is here. Mm-hmm. And you know, when when you start looking at that, you know, I, I think it's that desire to get everybody else here. So so the pastors will say, you know. If you do this and you do this, look how God, look what God did for me. He could do it for you, but you got to do this, this, and this. Well, uh, and again, I, I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm serious when I say it that I've seen churches where people have adopted that mentality and then they go broke trying to keep up looking like the pastor. And you know, when when you look at the people that that churches have brought in, now you know, I, I looked at. Uh, when I started the, I think when me and you first met, I started the biblical principles of finance and I was going to churches to talk about financial wellness and God's plan for your finances. And a lot of churches where people look like us, they weren't open arms. And I went to extremely large churches here in the Los, the greater Los Angeles area. One, one church was open arms and that church, um, that church, they do a lot in the community. And then they bring in resources. They bring in business resources in the community to help get everybody up to speed. So it's not just, hey, give us your money. It's, hey, you know, if you're going to donate to us, we're going to give something back to you. And so I, I think it's, it's, you know, as, as we think about it, I think it's we have to really have a, a strong separation in the church's ability to be able to guide you to your finances. Because nine times out of ten, you got a pastor that he hasn't worked a nine. He's either worked a nine to five job or or, you know, it's kind of gotten the money to be a, from being like a celebrity type pastor where that's worked out for him. But but how is he qualified to tell you what to do with your money? Mm. Mm. Like, like he, he's not like I, I, just because he dresses nice and he has money that makes him that that makes him qualified. And I've had this discussion with pastors. What started the biblical principles of finance is a pastor reached out to me and said, can you come to my church and talk to people about giving? And I said, well, why? And he said, because our offerings are down. And I think if you talk to them, they can get them up. And I said, but <laughs> and so I said, did you ever look at the economic condition condition of your people to figure out why it's down? And he was like, well, no. Wow. I like, well, I can't do that. It's, it's dishonest. It's not the right thing. To, it's not, a right, not the right thing to do to hustle people out of money. So why don't you figure out, I'll come to your people and talk to them about how to better handle their, their money and how to better get a handle on, on things from a biblical perspective. And he was like, oh, okay, that'll work. And so oh, when, wow. when you start looking at the, the celebrity pastors, the idea of a, of a person in that uh, economic condition, they don't, they don't see what everyone else sees. Think mm. about that. Think about a pastor that, that flies on a private jet, that drives multiple you know, you know, high-end cars, that lives outside of the community in which he, he, he preaches in. He doesn't have the same problems that the people that live in this community have hmm. no, nothing close to it so how is how is he, he he's not faced by those same issues so how is he um how is he skilled to talk about that so then you know i, I think it's important to bring in people like you um even people like myself and and other people um you know one of the churches here in, in uh los angeles you know years ago dr claude anderson and, and came and talked that's how i got turned on to him as, as he came and kind of addressed some things in regards to not just the the state of the community but the state of finances within the community and a bunch of other things 
I think you have to be willing to bring in people that are skilled to address those issues. Um, I will say this in, you know, white churches seem to be a little bit more adept and willing to bring in people that are skilled in at addressing these issues. Okay, so you're saying that, um, okay, so you said white churches are a little more skilled in this area. Interesting. Are willing to, willing to, bring will, willing to, okay, okay, willing to. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting, man. I mean, what you, what you said really made me think, um, because I, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when I think about what makes a person a good leader or a good pastor, whatever the case may be, I have found that. Uh, it seems to me that the best leaders and the, be- the best pastors and the best politicians, especially, are people who have already achieved success, particularly financial success, in some area other than preaching. Because uh, when you are achieving your economic and you know personal success through the pulpit, uh, then unfortunately, it seems to me that you're not as able to be as focused on the mission as you are on, you know, on simply uh, gaining access to whatever you need uh, in terms of ego and, 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 and economics, right? Like you're, yeah. you're you know, like that, like that 25 year old pastor who hasn't done anything else in his life except preach is that's the guy I think a lot of times is more likely to get caught up in some scandal, maybe with some women, you know, maybe he's, uh, he's, he's driving the fancy car because he wants to look and feel a certain way. Uh, maybe he's, his leadership is a little more ego driven as opposed yeah. to the older guy who, has already, you know, already maybe sown his oats, already made some money, already had some power, had status elsewhere. So now he's really focused on the mission. He's achieved what uh, Maslow, the psychologist, used to refer to as um, self-actualization. Yeah. He's already achieved those lower frequency, lower vibrational needs, you know, and now he's trying to, you know, work his way to heaven in a good way and do something good for the world and think about something bigger than himself, right? And, and, and so uh, I think about that because... Or your your point triggered that thought in me because I was thinking about just um, the difference between that pastor who says, you know, I want my people to learn financial literacy and I'm going to teach them because I built a business that made a million dollars, $10 million a year. And then I became a pastor when I retired, right? That guy's going to be better than the guy who made his first nickels by getting money from the congregation. Because at that point, the only thing I can really teach you, it seems, is how to get a congregation to make money from your congregation. So yeah, make how to be a performer. Because in essence, we're, we're looking at guys that are, and again, I, I, I say, I say this, you know, with, with some hesitancy, but it's the truth. We're looking at guys that, that work for the performance, right? So, so they, everything they do is to go to the performance on Sunday. Everything they do, they go to the performance on Sunday. They got security walking around, you know, hey, get away from them, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, everything to do, it gears you up to that performance on Sunday. They got the, the fly shoes on. They, you know, it's it's become so, you know, cachet and tongue in cheek. Like you even have Instagram handles like preachers and sneakers or prophets and watches that talk about these guys that are out trying to stun on people like like they're rappers. And so when you start looking at stuff like that, you know, you really have to start asking yourself is that, you know, is this solely the will of God? Uh, one, number one. And, you know, is this guy that I want to get my, you know, insight as to how to handle and deal with my money from? Well, you know, that, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, when you get pastors, mega pastors that I like the way you compare them to rappers. So that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, it, it, when you get to the point where your pastor and your rapper are behaving in the same way, 
in every yeah. area, you know, when it comes to the women and the money and the flashiness, something's wrong with that. Something's weird about that, you know? And, uh, and you're right though. It does get to the point where it is, um, it's not about the message and the lesson. It becomes about the show, yeah. you know? And, and, and is it, who, whose fault is it? You know, at the end of the day, is it their fault or is it our fault? Because maybe we're like little kids, like entertain me, entertain me. Right. And when you entertain me, I think that's as good as if you were to educate me. And a lot of times I think that it seems that a lot of us still have to learn that entertainment is not an education. I mean, maybe that's, it's a nice add on to education or whatever empowerment, whatever it is that you're seeking, but entertainment in itself, you can get that from comedians, you get it from rappers, you, you know, and and as you said, you know, if your pastor is doing the same thing for you that your favorite comedian does, where's the, where's the growth? Where's the benefit for you? Well, and, Doc, you know, you even think about it now that some pastors say, I'm not a pastor, I'm a teacher. And then you're like, oh, great. You're like, <laughs> you're, you're not a pastor. Now you're a teacher. I mean, what, what, are we, what are we talking about here? You know, I, I, it goes back to, you know, some overall, I believe in every, every area of life. And I, I talked to my 12-year-old about this, and I think it's it's crazy because I having a 12-year-old I always say that I'm not raising you for the man you are at 12. I'm raising you for the man that you are at 20. Like, it, it, like we're always talking about accountability. And, you know, there's things that men have to be accountable for and to, and people that men have to be accountable to. And, uh, you know, I think we, we've kind of relieved a lot of the accountability from the pastoral sector. Mm. In my opinion. Yeah. So, so you say men must be accountable. Um, let me, before I ask you that question, um, I want to let everybody know I'm talking to Shannon Stewart from Shannon Stewart ministries. Uh, he's a wealth expert and uh, a really great guy. And here's how you can follow him on Instagram at SS ministries. Uh, it's right there, write it down. Everybody follow him, uh, because he's a really smart guy and a really cool dude. And I think that he deserves our attention. Uh, these are the real heroes in the community that are doing the real work. So I hope you'll check him out. And uh, also don't forget that tomorrow we're having the black business school assembly, where we're going to uh, hear from Chris Davis, who is the uh, who's one of the world's leading experts in scaling up businesses. Um, he works for billion dollar companies to help them make all insane amounts of money. And he works with a lot of entrepreneurs just like you. So if you'd like to join for the free symposium, it's free to all the students in the Black Business School. Uh, just get on our email list for free at allblackeconomics.com. That's allblackeconomics.com. So let me um, let me ask you this question. Um you know, when you were talking about accountability, this is my last question I want to ask you about because I, I think it's a good discussion for you to to uh, add value on. Um, when you have, uh, you know, these questions about what manhood is, what it means to be a father or a husband. Um, first of all, I'm going to ask everybody, how many of you agree with me if I say that manhood involves accountability? Give me a yes or no in the chat if you agree with the statement that men uh, by definition, should be accountable maybe to their families or their children or whatever, or to the community. How many of you believe that accountability is an important standard for manhood? Okay, I see a lot of yeses in here. I want to make sure we're on the same page. Um, why is that a controversial conversation? I, I, I know some places I can go, Shannon, where I could say, you know, men are supposed to be accountable. And there would be a whole group of men who would say, why should I be accountable to anybody other than myself? Um, where does that come from? What's the dangers of that kind of ideology when you're talking about trying to build a community? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we, we, the dangers in that is that no one lives alone. So, you know, I think if, if you, um, you know, if you are not accountable to others in the community, 
you'll then become victim to those that weren't held accountable. And, you know, when I, when I say that, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I think about it that, you know, there's some, some young men that live a couple of doors down from me. They're like one year out of high school, two years out of high, and the guys one year out of high school, his buddies are two years out of high school. And so, you know, as a black man, they're young black men. And I look at them as like, like kids. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're young enough to be my child. And so when I interact with them, I have to interact with them from the mindset of instilling information with them at all times. There is no messing around. Anytime I'm interacting with them, even if it's jovial and joking, it's to instill something in them that they can take and go and run with. And so I think the idea is, 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 you know, when, when people say things as if, you know, men only have to be accountable to themselves. Well, that's not held the same in every community. You know, so, I, you know, I, I think when, when you look at, and, you know, it's not even held the same in African communities. If you if you go outside of the United States, no one thinks like that. No one thinks like, hey, I'm, I'm an island to myself. And so, you, you know, I think we've taken the easy way out by not stepping up, saying, all right, you know, look, there's things. And again, I speak from one that, you know, I run a homeless outreach. I spend a lot of time out on the streets. I spend a lot of time with foster care agents where where people have kind of turned their back um, on them and taking the approach is to let someone else deal with it. So I think as a society, as a, as a whole, we've become very okay with society dealing with issues that really we need to be dealing with. And I think what, you know, with, with the whole idea of the, the, you know, you know, Maj Toure, you know, Maj, you know, he always talks about, you know, there being a war on masculinity, you know, and I, I think there is, we, we've, we've gotten to a point where people are okay with, with saying that, yeah, well, you know, it's toxic voice if you say this, this, or this. Well, no, that's not the case. You know, I, I we can't argue the, regardless of what people think, we can't argue with the fact that if you, man and woman, there's a there's a physical difference between a man and a woman. <laughs> like we can't argue that. We can't argue the fact that that women are endowed with completely different gifts to handle and to to aid and to help direct and rear a household in manner are given we're, we're just we're wired differently and i think we we're we've moved away from that and this is not a, a, a one is above the other this is just it's it's common biology that we're talking yeah yeah i i agree with you and i think um i think people that watch the channel they know me enough to know what my thoughts are and i i just wanted to hear that from another man who is accountable to a family, you know, who's raising, you know, you're raising intelligent, beautiful children. Uh, I've seen your kids, Shannon Jr. and Ava, and they're so smart and capable. And and you gave your son a little lesson about manhood the other day. And it, I thought that was real interesting. You were uh, you were talking about because this is something that I've mentioned that, um, you know, when, when I had a, a I had a guy that was on YouTube that, that a lot of people know about who was saying a lot of things about me did doesn't know me never met me had ne has never had a conversation with me and uh and, and i and i simply said where i come from you know men don't sit around and just talk about you without having the courage to talk to you and uh and and, and you actually use that as as a teaching point for your son and he actually put that information right to work do you mind sharing that story well yeah and, and you know part of that is is that and again i was raised by by a stepfather as i think were you I'm an only child raised by a stepfather. Wow. Um, but I was, I was having this discussion with my son. I, I said, you know, I talked about men, that the expectation of when a man interacts with another man, it has to be based on respect and, and honor and integrity 
And I said, look, and if if a if a if a young man interacts with you in an uh, avenue outside of that, now he has to restore an integ- integrity, and you have to deal with it. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, look, in in, in my house, how I operate is, is is this in this fashion. If I leave the house with my wife and kids, they will return home exactly like they left, even if I don't. No matter what goes on, I will ensure that they get back home safe and sound, just like they left, even if I have to give my life and I don't come back in the same way, because that's the role I've been placed in. Said so, so when when you deal with with young men, you have a, a young uh, a, a schoolmate of his. Um, he goes to a, a multi-race school, and a kid called him a nigger. Mm. Uh, didn't call him, not face to face. Sent it to him in an email. And so he says, wow. uh, he said, well, I said, well, what'd you do about it? He says, well, first I, I figured out I, I can't have no interaction with that dude anymore. He, he said, so I, I sent him an email. I said, okay, what'd the email say? He said, the email said, between now and the first day of school, you have to see me. And if you don't come to me with a heartfelt apology, you'll have to see me and my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and I, said, so, I said, you know, I said, now look, the goal is not to go out here and you to be fighting people. And he was like, well, I set the expectation that I expect him to restore integrity to me. He's like, I can't be cool with him ever again. He's like, I wasn't cool with him to start with, but now he's crossed the line. So now I have to deal with him in a way where, where as a man, he's going to have to come and apologize or he'll have to see me. But we're going to have to see each other face to face and have a discussion. And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, that's that's what life is. You know, it, it's uh, I was telling the story to him about we had an issue a couple of weeks ago on a uh, with a homeowners association. And so our homeowners association is having meetings, uh, but they're having meetings via Zoom. And so uh, the guy that's directing the homeowners association meeting, uh, he said something to my wife and it wasn't disrespectful, but the tone that he used when he addressed her wasn't a tone that I would even use with her. And so I sent him an email that said, tomorrow I'm coming to your office and we're going to have to discuss this. Not I'm going to come and fight the guy in his office, but face to face now he has to see me and we have to reconcile and address this issue. There is no there, there is no phone discussion. There's no other conversation we can have. Face to face is the only way we need to meet from now. You you, you cross the line. He, he told, My wife was talking. He was like, shh, be quiet, be quiet. Like, Whoa. So I was like, no, not going back and forth. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow in your office. And then his boss called and was like, well, please, we don't want to see you at the office. I was like, well, no, no, we're, we're, we have to address this now face to face because I'm a man first. I'm a homeowner, but I'm a man first before anything. I'm a husband and a father above all. So now we got to address the situation. And so I, I believe that that, you know, these are the things that we have to instill into our, our young boys now. To- toxic masculinity is is, is that's a, a media word. I mean, it's that, that, who, who, who even comes up with that? How can something be toxic? That's I'm already. It would be like saying, "Boys, you're toxic black." Like that's that's stupid. Like God made, you, <laughs> but you know there there is no getting past that. So I, I think as as men, it's up to us now to to you know step up, be accountable. Um, you know, I, I think me and you both uh, were able to see that being raised by stepfathers that stepped up and were accountable and they didn't even have to be, they could have just been like, yeah, nah, that's too much of a cross for me to bear, but they didn't. 
Well, you know, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I love that. And so uh, everybody type the word accountability in the chat. Accountability is our word for today. So everybody, so we're on the same page, type the word accountability in the chat. And uh, as we close out, I want to let you all know, I'm speaking to Shannon Stewart. Uh, here's how you can follow him on Instagram. He's a very wise man, very smart guy. Uh, SS Ministries, you can follow him there. And also he has a foundation. And uh, here's the URL for the foundation. And it's, um, uh, he says, helping hands. Giving hope. Let's go ahead, sorry. Helping hands, giving hope. Helping hands, giving hope.org. And what, what kind of work do you guys do? So Helping Hands Giving Hope, uh, it started in 2015. I was uh, I had broke up with a startup and, um, you know, couldn't find a job. A few months after I found out, my mom had uh, stage three or stage four, a triple negative breast cancer. And, oh. and, you know, so I was like, well, what can we do? You know, I couldn't find a job. Business wasn't booming. And my wife said, why don't we just do something to go help people? And so it started, you know, my background's doing prison ministry and prison work and stuff with missions. And so literally me and my wife and kids, my daughter was two at the time and my son was uh, six. We just would make bags for the homeless and we would go out to a park and hand them out. And so it went, it literally went from being that to, you know, last year doing 200 bags a month, um, doing, you know, 300 full meals, 15,000 pounds of food for Thanksgiving, uh, you know, Christmas stuff. And so it was. It literally started from us not having anything to do to now just filling in wherever you can. And so that's kind of like my lesson as I talk to people about the, the philanthropy piece is that just do what you can. It doesn't have to be much. You know, something that started off small is now grown to 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 be impactful. Wow. Well, you know what? I love it. And uh, what what is your mother's name? Sharon. Sharon. Yeah. Sharon. Okay. All right. So. Uh, we, we have a little ritual. I don't know if you ever see that, but we like to honor honor our loved ones who paved the way to make us into who we are. So everybody type the word Sharon in the chat so we can let Sharon know, send her a signal to heaven. Let her know that we appreciate the wisdom of her son and uh, everything that she she created. So I hope that's okay, brother. I hope that's Yeah, okay. you know, she was one of the biggest supporters of us um, before she died. You know, we it, it, when we started this, it started very small and literally I would go be with her um, you know, every chemo appointment, every doctor's appointment. And then in the evening, we would go get food and go places, hand it out and do stuff like that. And so it kind of just, like I said, it grew from, from nothing. Now we, you know, this past weekend we did school supplies, you know, wow. so it's, you know, I think anybody in your community, if there's a need, you can fill it. Boom. There you go. Well, I love it. Now y'all know why I respect this guy. You know, he, he gets it done, takes care of his family. He's a good man, a smart man. And uh, and a real man. So I want to say thank you very much to Shannon Stewart for hanging out thank with us, brother. Yeah, and great. If you guys have questions on debt, please call me. You know, don't sign up for any credit repair. Don't sign up for any debt settlement agencies. Call me first. It won't cost you anything. I'll respond to your even if it takes a couple of days. I'll respond to your email so you're not left hanging. Oh, that, that, that's a dangerous thing to say here, but <laughs> you, you will get you will get some messages. So uh, there's how you can follow Shannon on Instagram. You can reach out to him there. And uh, this is the uh, organ, the foundation he runs. And so if you want to help out, um, you know, offer your support there. And uh, Shannon is um, a good guy and I'm, I'm vouching for him because I like the brother a lot. And I think he's, he's an awesome dude. So uh, everybody, uh, please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Also, don't forget that tomorrow we're doing that special event with uh, Chris Davis, who's an automation expert. 
who's going to talk about how he helps small businesses scale from five to 10 grand a month to a hundred thousand or more. I mean, he's really good at what he does. Uh, his presentation is free. <clears throat> if you are uh, enrolled in the black business school and you can get a free membership at blackkeystogreatness.com. You also get free access to my life class and uh, access to our book club every Wednesday night at 830. Uh, so there's a lot of really good stuff we, we offer the community. So uh, don't delay. Don't delay. You know, uh, becoming uh, financially intelligent is difficult. It's hard, but it's not as hard as staying broke. You know, it's not as hard as living in the curse. It's not as hard as, as maintaining whatever generational nonsense that you've had to deal with. I need y'all to come break cycles and we're here to help you. We want to make it as easy as possible for you. So sign up at blackkeystogreatness.com. Uh, we think different. We are winners. We're not oppressed. We are we are flying like eagles. We're not we're not crushed into the ground like little worms. So there's nothing about being black that says you're supposed to be in last place. We throw all that out the window when you run up in here. So blackkeystogreatness.com. If you sign up today, I'm going to send the link out tonight and then uh, you'll get the link. And uh, so we'll be connected. All right. So thanks a lot, brother. It was wonderful talking to you, man. My pleasure. God bless. All right, right, everybody, please have a wonderful day. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out and we will see you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Great.